Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is the Improv Chronicle podcast. I'm Lloydie. Online improv has become a big thing during the pandemic, but not everybody wants to take their improv online or teach online. Some people have taken a complete break. When I mentioned I was doing this subject, this episode, I received more emails than I have on any episode in the past year. Something about taking a break from improv in the pandemic has resonated with people. So for the next two episodes... These are the voices of the improvisers who aren't improvising right now. Just before we continue, this week represents the first anniversary of this podcast launching. And in that time, I've been lucky enough to speak to improvisers from nearly 20 countries, tackled various subjects and tried to include a real variety of voices. Making a documentary every two weeks takes a lot of time and it also takes a bit of money as well. If you feel the Improv Chronicle is worth supporting, there are three things you can do. And the first one is completely free. If you go to wherever you get your podcasts, whatever app you're listening to now, leave a rating and a review for the Improv Chronicle and that helps it get discovered. It's really good for algorithms. If you enjoy this podcast, please do take a minute to do that if you feel you can. If you want to help fund it with a one-off donation, you can click on the link at the top of the show notes. For just £3, around $4, less than the price of a cup of coffee, you can help towards the cost of making this podcast possible. And finally, if you'd like to sponsor an entire episode, that's also possible and affordable. Email newsdesk at improvchronicle.com for more details. actually doing a face-to-face interview for the first time in I don't know four months um, I'm just meeting up with a friend at a coffee shop uh, to talk about why they're not improvising at the moment hello uh, my name is Atalante I'm Greek and I live in Nottingham I perform with Denise's 50th um, in my free time I like cats very much and I work in mental health 
So for you, taking a break, as someone who works in mental health, I would presume you know the benefits of sometimes taking a break from stuff? Yes, and I try to do that as often as possible. Why did you decide this was a time to take a break from improv? Um, Because I work um, online in a digital platform that provides mental health support. So for me, improv is something that I do face-to-face, in a room with people I can touch and look at. So doing it online doesn't really have any benefits. And so you, you talk about the need to be in a room. Have you, have you tried online improv or just that just not appeal? Yeah, so I tried um, with a friend of mine who is actually Greek and he runs uh, an improv school in Crete. And we did a little duo thing in, and it was fun, but it just didn't feel that like heartwarming kind of you know, amazing feeling improv has when you do it with people in the same room. And what do you think you're getting from taking a break? What do you think are the benefits for you from taking a break from improv? Because it's been, what, four months now? Um, I suppose it's all about keeping it as this uh, amazing, pure thing that it is in my life that it just makes me, I think, into a better version of myself. And I want to keep it as this... I I want to keep it as I remember it, you know? I don't want it to be soiled. Hi, my name is Pete Bergen. I am a comedian, improviser, and actor located here in Washington, D.C. I'm also a teacher at Washington Improv Theater here in the district, and that's where I trained and also at the UCB in New York City. And you've now taken a break from improv for a while. Um, Why? (laughs) Um, there's, there's a lot going on in the world. I don't know if it's over there in England. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, um, the pandemic has changed everything, you know, the, the, the community and the fellowship and the fun that we all get from getting together and making stuff up is, uh, has to be done in a virtual world now. And is that just not for you or, or did you just think, oh no, this is a a good bit of timing. I'll, I'll take five. You know what? I had not really, I had, I had not fully stepped away from improv. I was committing more to stand up uh, prior to this. Um, but now that I can't do it and don't have the option to do it, like I really want to do it. I think it's just the the people connection that you get at an improv show um, more so than a stand up show. I think my favorite times in life are before a show and after a show backstage with castmates. Uh, and you don't get that with stand up at all. So uh, I am definitely missing that sort of like uh, fellowship as as much as the shows. It's just the, you know, the hang time with people that you like to play with. My name is Mara Joy. Uh, I'm an improviser from Edinburgh, a member of the Spontaneous Players and uh, a teacher and performer anywhere that will have me. You've taken a break from it all though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's what I used to say. I've not said that for four months. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it that made you decide? Do you know what this is going to be? Just a period of time where I I don't improvise. It's interesting. Uh, I when when lockdown was first announced, there was a huge boom of everyone was online, and um, all of my stand up friends got on board that like about a day or two before my improv friends. And if you remember the beginning of the lockdown, like those initial days stretched out for ages. 
so I was able to watch a bunch of stand-up stuff, and it was all very um, well-intentioned, but very odd. And I was like, huh. And I started thinking, will this work for improv? Uh, and I wasn't sure. Uh, I think a lot of us were he- hesitant. Uh, and I, wa- I, I watched an improv stream, or rather, I watched five minutes of an improv stream. I won't say who it was, because I don't want to be disparaging to anyone. And it just really depressed me. And um, not because of the quality of the improv, really, but just because... Um, Although I don't think it, I think a lot of the a lot of that early stuff was people just figuring things out, and there was a lot of people appearing on screens when they weren't meant to and talking over each other. You know that kind of like the the, the kinks that people were ironing out. But that wasn't even the issue for me. The issue for me was I got this really palpable feeling of like dread, almost like a sort of overwhelming grief. That sort of came over me because I was like, "Oh, we won't be able to perform on stages in front of audiences for for a long time." Uh, this was right about the time the spontaneous players started our first wave of like rescheduling shows because uh, we were just about to go on a like and uh, go on a tour. Uh, I think we were doing eleven or twelve dates that month but then we had to push them all back and it was very it was very overwhelming um and like I say this feeling of grief sort of started growing in me where every time I would see I I would try and watch a stream of someone doing improv it would just make me so desperately sad to watch because I was like this is fine what you're doing but it's not what I it's not the, the thing that's been taken away from me. Uh, and I know, I know that there's a lot of people who've had a lot worse taken away from them, but this is, you know, it's my, it's my, it's what I do for a living. It's what I do it's for life, you know? So it's kind of a, just a very, a very hard feeling. Listening to Mara speak about a feeling of grief when she watched an online show is, is something I know I felt too. Being in the same room is important to some improvisers, so important that it's meant online improv just isn't an option for them. Uh, my name is Swithin No. Um, I've been a professional improviser since 2005. Um, I've uh, performed and taught and uh, short form, long form, um, musical, and uh, I primarily run under the brand The Village Idiots. So. And you are not performing or teaching right now you've taken a break right i have intentionally taken a break uh because i don't want to die is basically i I, i'm afraid of dying i mean i i I think most of us are and i think that's why a lot of people have gone okay i'll do online improv but you're not doing that either right yeah um so i i have to go back a little bit um when one of the, my biggest uh, concerns is auditioning people for an improv group and me holding myself out as some kind of, even though I've been doing it for so long, holding myself out as some kind of an expert um, and seeing someone within 
you know, a handful of minutes to make a judgment if they should join my team. Um, I remember doing it a long time ago and thinking, man, this person's funny here and this person's great over here. And I didn't really have a rubric of what is it that makes you a good improviser? So I kind of tossed out my preconceived notions and started like this journey. And I started realizing that improv is about your intelligences. And part of that is I related to your head intelligence, your heart intelligence, your body intelligence, and what I call your social intelligence or your breath. Um, And this, when I teach uh, improv, I really emphasize the idea of a live in-person audience that we're sharing air. We're sharing, my words are sharing the same air as your laughs and we're communicating and communioning together. Um, And so the idea of a in-person show is far more important to me. And and not that I have anything against anyone who's doing an online uh, show. I just see as very important as having a live audience. And I think I know where Swithin is coming from. That's not to say I haven't done online shows and enjoyed them. I have. It's just, it's just different. I decided to catch up with one of my dear friends and someone who I've been playing shows with for over seven years now. He's not made the leap to online. He's sitting things out until the pandemic's over. Hello, folks. John Creamer here, one of the Maydays, and I am delighted to be talking to my friend Lloydie. I found the the, the shift from uh, in the room to online to be quite traumatic, and I just decided to kind of check it out a bit, and and it just didn't fit for me. I there's something so immediate and compelling about improv that you I haven't seen anyone capture it outside of the room so I uh, I figured I would just step back and let things unfold I feel good about that decision for a number of reasons one is overall personally I feel like this period is a time to sort of knock the gear stick into neutral and wonder where the gear stick's going to go back in once things uh, move into another phase. So it's personally, it's a, it's a time of reflection and contemplation and observation. Also, I have been very inspired by watching the partnership between the Maydays and the nursery and the astounding shifts, changes, offerings, connections, and new horizons that they have opened up. And I feel I feel like I'm contributing by doing absolutely nothing other than being on the sidelines and going, wow, that's cool. Something that I've learned over the years in improv is the importance of, um, when you look at the, 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 the gestalt of a, of a troupe, uh, there are habitual roles that people play. There are spaces that we inhabit. And sometimes to step out of that space means that someone else can expand or shift or change. And then the the company itself has a new dynamic. And if we don't do that from time to time, I think things can get a little bit rigid and a bit gritty and people sort of grate up against each other rather than expand and develop as improvisers and human beings. Back to the coffee shop. Seeing Atalante was part of the slow creep back to a version of normal that we're having at the moment here in the UK. 
I wondered if she thought things would feel different when she gets back to playing with her team. Um, I don't know. I suppose there will be some kind of hesitation for like 10 minutes, but then because we've missed each other so much, we'll end up just having a lot of scenes with like hugging and touching and probably with some snogging. <laughs> I just can't wait to get back to it. I really miss it. I miss it so much. Me too. I, I was saying to several of my teammates the other day how much I desperately just want to get on a stage and perform with people now. I don't care whether there's an audience there or not. I just want to do the thing that we do in the same room. Yes, that's right. Nobody cares about the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the benefits of improvisers spending some time away from improv? Back to Swithin No. I've had the chance to finally not obsess about what am I going to teach for this class? What am I going to, um, what am I going to focus? Uh, what do I have to coach? And all the time that I would have spent preparing for an improv session or uh, reflecting on what's happened, I've been able to take that and watch a lot more YouTube. Um, so I've been <laughs> spending a lot more time learning about uh, story structure and ancient mythologies and um, history and psychology and religion and uh, just understanding the entire human experience in a richer way. So hopefully that when we go back, that I've got more important things to say other than just fart jokes. Pete agrees. A break that enriches your life can enrich your improv. Improvisers, and, and you've taught and I've taught for a long time, the, the, the students that are in class and on two practice teams and maybe on a Herald team or a house team um, and they're coaching and they're like, I'm not getting any better. And I'm like, it's because you're not living a full and complete life. Like read a book, go for a walk, see a documentary. Um, I believe it was Alex Berg or somebody was speaking about Alex Berg and the, the, the boys from Convoy. And he said, they're good because they know so much about so much. John's advice to anyone thinking of some time away from improv, pandemic or not, is simple. Don't be afraid to take a break. If 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 you feel that um, you're doing things out of obligation or you're doing things out of momentum, unplug for a, a bit, maybe a bit, maybe a week, maybe a month, but just unplug and see what settles and see what is what it is that you want to keep and see what it is you may want to drop going forward. That would be my take on it. With so many improvisers taking a break, I asked Mara what she thought shows would be like when improvisers start improvising on stage again for the first time in many months. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, like one of the first times we were able to meet up with people outside of our household, socially distanced, I met up uh, with uh, Will Nami, who is uh, the uh, director uh, of the Spontaneous Players and one of the players. And we were talking about just this. We were like, "What is? what are the shows going to be like once we get back and we both agreed they were like the first one will be terrible <laughs> but we will be having more fun on stage than we have had maybe ever so it won't matter <laughs> uh like this idea that i think it will be sort of um there'll be this opening wave of like these delirious shows where everyone's just like so happy to be on stage and all the audience are so happy to be out and enjoying things and then we'll hit a point where we're all like oh and also all of our skills have atrophied um, and we should work on that um i think improv generally will be a bit more thoughtful for a while 
after after that initial we're just going to go mad on stage and like have wild fun with our friends because we haven't been able to i i genuinely think we're going to see and i think this is true of all art like theater is going to be big on this stand-up is going to be like it's going to be hard to go through the fringe without seeing a show like next year's fringe without seeing a show that isn't about you know and who are we and where are we as people after this uh, traumatic event we've all went through? And I think improv is not uh, immune to that. We'll be, there'll be a lot of thoughtful, I think there'll be a move towards a sort of thoughtful, um, reflective improv, I guess. But I could be totally wrong. <laughs> Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. voices and more reflections on what taking a break can give to improvisers. You're going to hear what improvisers have had the chance to do instead and also if their views about improv as an art form have changed at all and if so how do they feel about the art form now? The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and hosted by me Lloydie James Lloyd. You can help the podcast right now. Subscribe and rate us on your favourite podcast app And if you have an idea for a possible future episode, go to improvchronicle.com.